0: Today, what are we going to be talking about? We're going to talk about trend lines and Fibonacci. Specifically, we're going to be discussing how do I draw the trend lines. And I know I get a lot of questions about this, about, you know, what data points do you want to collect off of those trend lines? And so that's what we're going to get into on this particular podcast episode. And then I'm going to follow that up with another Fibonacci question as well. This person wants to go by the name Han Solo, which... You know, we're getting a little bit intergalactic here when we're going away from the Florida red nicknames and people are wanting to go by Star Wars characters, right? I'm going to be honest, I'm not going to go down the road of Star Trek. I'll, I don't mind doing like a Star Wars here and there, but you know, let's not get too intergalactic there, okay? But anyways, this is going to be an interesting podcast because I feel like the trendlines question in particular is probably best suited for like a video But I'm going to attempt to do it on here as well. So bear with me. If it's a little bit difficult to follow at the time, don't hold it against me. I'm trying to answer listener emails here and trying to make sure that I address all y'all's concerns and questions and whatnot. And as for the bourbon that I am drinking today, I've got myself some 1910 Old Forester. I'm sure there's a bunch of you guys out there that like Old Forester. It's one of my preferred bourbons, especially when it comes to old fashions. Uh, Works great in old fashions. This particular taste it's like a uh, has like a nice like caramel finish almost to it. just very very smooth it's considered an old fine whiskey that's what they have stamped on the bottle and i got the whole bottle i love this stuff so i didn't have to go the sample route it's just a good solid bourbon guys and it's 46 and percent alcohol 93 proof i don't know it usually runs you about anywhere between like 55 to 60 dollars a bottle so check that one out i don't think you'll go wrong with old forester 1910 So the key to drawing trend lines, as I have always seen fit, and you got to remember too, as you become more seasoned as a trader and as you gain more experience, you're not going to do everything by the textbook. I definitely don't do trend lines by the textbook. Textbooks will tell you that a trend line needs to touch perfectly the bottom price point of a trend. And for those who don't even know what a trend line is, let me back up a little bit further. A trend line is just essentially – a straight line that connects a lot of data points on a chart. So for me, and that's about all I can get into it in terms of a podcast and providing a definition. But I kind of deviate away from like, okay, making sure that the lower shadow point in a rising trend line is what touches the trend line. No, I'm okay actually with intraday breaches of a trend line. I don't think that's a big deal. I prefer to have as few of those as possible. But if it happens, it happens. Ultimately, what I want out of my trend lines is for there to be as many data points touching that trend line as possible. And I want them to be clean. I'm not so crazy about there being like five or six days of testing of a trend line and then bouncing and then coming right back down and testing it six or seven more days off of that trend line before finally getting a bounce. Instead, what I like to see is I like to see the rises and falls off of the trend line. I like to see it go up and I like to see it come down and immediately bounce back up. I always think that's the sign of a good, healthy trend line. But then when it like stays there and it's just riding that trend line higher instead of like bouncing off of that trend line, that's always like more of your unhealthy trend line. doesn't mean it can't be traded, but you may not get the immediate results that you're looking for in your trading if it's just constantly coming back down and riding that trend line. So quick bounces off of the trend lines, preferable. I also don't like it either. If a stock has a rising trend line and this thing just makes bounces, but it doesn't make new higher highs. It doesn't break the previous high on the trend line. And instead of making a higher high, it makes a higher low and it pulls right back down to that trend line and tests it. I feel like that is another sign of a weakening trend line. So like I said, I like there to be a lot of data points, but I don't like them to all be clustered together. I like them to be quick bounces off the trend line, but the more the merrier because that provides you with more data points. Now you can get a data point of Where the trend line begins, and then it comes back down and forms a new low, and then you can draw a trend line off of that, and you have two data points. Is that really a trend line? Yeah, it's it is a trend line, but is it a powerful trend line? No, it's not a powerful trend line at all. In fact, what it really is is a developing trend line. It's it's trendish, it's trendy, but it's not solid. It doesn't have a good foundation. The trend line cannot be trusted that much. So usually, what I'm looking for, and when I'm draw my trend lines, I want to connect the bottom of the shadow or the bottom of the candle body or somewhere in between. So that means if it goes below the trend line a little bit, that's okay. But if it allows me to connect other data points in the process, that's what's most important to me because that's what the stock is following. That's the trend line the stock is following. And also what's important to remember is that when you draw a trend line, you're not creating the trend line. You're identifying it. So, when you're drawing it, you're just trying to visualize where is that trend line at that this stock is trading off of. Don't think for a second that you're actually creating the trend line. The trend line is already there. You're just trying to identify it. So, when you go into it with that approach, I know that may be sounding a little bit simplistic, but if you go into it with that approach, then you're just simply trying to figure out where is the trend line at if there is one. And then you're using one of your charting tools to identify where that trend is actually at. So, to summarize the trend lines, and I know this is kind of a hard one to do for a podcast format. But remember, the more data points that touch that trend line, it's the better. But you don't want them like multiple days worth where it's just sitting and riding that trend line higher without actually breaking it. That means it's kind of like a, a stock. Yeah, it, it's kind of going higher, but it's lost that enthusiasm. You want quick bounces off of it, right? The more tests of that trend line, the better. You want to see it making higher highs and higher lows. And it's okay if it breaches it intraday. What you're really looking for is that you don't want a lot of closes below the trend line. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't ever have a close below the trend line. Sometimes you might have this one-off moment where the market just had this really bad news event that comes out and it sends everything below some key support levels, but the next day it recovers. So if it's like a one-off event, okay, that's fine. I can probably look past that. But what I don't want to see is multiple occasions where it's constantly breaking the trend line because then it can't be really trusted, can it? And finally, I use the bottom of the body or the lower shadow bottom, right? The bottom of the lower shadow. Those two things or something in between. But just because a stock breaks a trend line intraday doesn't mean that the trend's over. You have to wait to see how it closes. That's always very important. And I actually provide a lot of charts in my com website. It hooks up to my Patreon account. Where you can get all these different charts that I'm always providing each and every day, showing you like the charts in the S&P 500, the Russell, the NASDAQ. I'm also providing you like the trends and, and the setups in various stocks. I'm also updating each and every week Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, Microsoft, and Tesla, the FANG stocks basically, plus Microsoft and Tesla. And I'm giving you my watch lists, updated multiple times each week, daily setups each day, and the stocks that I'm gonna be following. So check that out, market.com. So in this particular podcast, I haven't actually read the email yet. I just jumped right into the trend lines. But it's actually worth reading, especially when it comes to Fibonacci. So he keeps it pretty succinct. Am I using that word right? He says, first off, I'd like to say thank you for your contribution to those of us newer to technical trading. You truly embody the old adage If you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. If you teach a man a fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. And yes, that is literally what I'm trying to do with this podcast. I want you guys to eat. I want you guys to be able to eat for a lifetime. I just don't want to simply catch a fish. I want to help you guys eat for a lifetime. He says, I have several questions, but I'll narrow it to just a couple. So that's where we got the trend line and the Fibonacci. He asked me about the trend lines, which we addressed. He says, do you use Fibonacci tools? I've used retracements on many occasions, but that's it. Thank you for all you do. I'm a subscriber, but not yet a contributor. Well, you're a contributor now. You contributed to the podcast, so uh, that's awesome. And then he says, "Hey, we could we could do 30 to 45 minutes of your podcast." Why do I not do 30 to 45 minutes of a podcast? Well, for one, it's a lot of editing, right? So I try to break it up in two different episodes each week. It makes it a little bit more manageable for me as well. But I also believe too that if I give it to you in like little tidbits, it's enough to digest to be able to apply to your trading immediately. I don't want to overwhelm you. I don't want to give you 45 minutes of lecturing. And I I would probably become a little bit long-winded too. But I want you guys to be able to digest everything I'm telling you and be able to go into the next trading days. like, hey, he gave me a couple of good points here. Let's start applying that to my trading. That's what I'm here for. So as it pertains to Fibonacci, do I use them? Yes. For those who don't know what Fibonacci retracements are, they're pretty much standard in all your charting pool packages. Fibonacci, on its own, is basically a mathematical sequence, and as it relates to the stock market, it believes that there's certain percentages that a stock will pull back following a major run, and for me, I use three of those percentage pullbacks. I use the 38.2% pullback, I use the 50% pullback, and I use the 61.8% pullback. Now, I don't use them all the time, but I do use them from time to time because there is some truth behind them, especially when it comes to major market rallies and pullbacks that happen thereafter. Now, the ones that I rely on the most, the first one is the 50% pullback. The second is the 61.8% pullback. And the third is the 38.2% pullback. But they don't always work. Look, when the market had its major sell-off earlier this year, I even did some YouTube videos and I was like, look, a lot of these market sell-offs have had major bounces, but they've only bounce to that 61.8% Fibonacci retracement. So that was something that I was really watching when we saw the market bouncing very aggressively in the April, May, and June time period. Well, it blew right through that 61.8% retracement. And so the reason why I bring that up is it's to tell you that Fibonacci retracements are not like a gold standard. It doesn't mean that they're going to be honored all the time, but we're I really find them very helpful at is when you can't find a support level for a particular bounce play. Oftentimes when that support level is missing, Fibonacci will kick in and you can find that support level using the 50% retracement, the 38.2% retracement, or the 61.8% retracement. They're really good for dead cat bounces most of the time. Assuming it's gonna be a dead cat bounce, right? High flyer stocks, like if you get into some of these high flyer stocks, especially from this past year you'll notice that there's a lot of like major rallies and then there's this huge retracement that follows right afterwards. If you put the Fibonacci retracement overlay going from the lows to the highs, you'll see that oftentimes these things will bounce off of one of those three levels. But also Fibonacci too, you've got to remember, it's associated with very volatile plays because it usually means that a stock has rallied in a major, major way of late and now it's starting to pull back significantly enough so that you want to actually put a Fibonacci retracement overlay on the chart. And so when you start getting these dramatic pullbacks preceded by major rises, yeah, they're going to be volatile plays. And you're using a mathematical sequence really to identify support rather than what you're seeing on the chart. So to wrap up this whole Fibonacci talk, I th- I think it's good to use Fibonacci retracement levels when you can't really use support levels because the stock just doesn't have any. The stock has made too much of a run up, but you're looking to see if you can play like a dead cat bounce or that you're expecting momentum to flow back into the stock for at least a short period of time, then yeah, you can use the Fibonacci retracements. Again, I think the 50% retracement's the best, the 61.8% retracement's the second best, and then you have the 38.2% retracement level that I think is the third best. Now, you also have like a 23% retracement level and something else outside of that. I don't use any of those. I, th- I think they're very... Crappy basically. I don't I don't really think that there's much use to them. I guess that's probably the better way to say it. They work well with high flyers because a lot of your high flying stocks they'll go up like 40-50% and then they'll have a significant retracement once it peaks, and then you can usually play the bounce off of those, those retracement levels. Now, but remember, these things aren't like a gold standard here. A lot of people use them. I think it helps me to understand a lot of times where are we at in a retracement as it pertains to the broader indices? And if I'm in a stock that's rallying pretty well and it starts to see a little bit of retracement, I like to know where those retracement levels are. Very rarely do I buy a stock off of a Fibonacci retracement level, but it doesn't mean that I won't. It just doesn't mean that I do it very often. And yes, there's usually some volatility that's associated with these Fibonacci plays. So, That's pretty much it for this particular podcast episode. we got Christmas coming up, so I want to wish you guys all a very, very Merry Christmas for those who celebrate the holiday. uh, You guys guys mean the world to me. I hope that you guys will find it in your hearts during this Christmas season to leave me a positive review on Apple iTunes or whatever platform you choose to listen to me on. That would warm my heart. If I've been able to be a blessing to you guys over this past year with swing trading, or just trading in general, the best thing you guys could do to me to show the the gratitude would be to leave me a review on whatever platform that you listen to me on. So, appreciate it, guys. And make sure you send me your questions. Ryan at SharePlanner.com. Guys, I'm getting to all of them. I'm going to get to all of them. I love answering your questions. I love tackling them. Sometimes I don't even want to talk about these questions. But I know that it's good for you guys. Sometimes I get a subject matter that I really don't want to Talk too much about. I would probably even say this particular podcast wasn't something I was overly excited about, but I felt like that it could be a benefit to you guys, so I tackled. It, okay, so send me your questions. No bad questions. Send them to me, and uh, we'll knock them out together. All right, guys. Thank you, and God bless. You. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I like to encourage you to join me in the Share Planner Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world with your membership you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room including alerts via text email and whatsapp so go ahead sign up by going to shareplanner.com trading block that's www.shareplanner.com trading block and follow me on share planners twitter instagram and facebook where i provide unique market and trading information every day if you have any questions please feel free to email me at brian at shareplanner.com All the best to you and I look forward to trading with you soon.